These are your words, O God. Humble us to speak their weight. Strengthen us to hear their truth. Unbind us to live their call. The scripture lesson today is from Psalm 111 of the Common English Bible. Praise the Lord! I thank the Lord with all my heart in the company of those who do right in the congregation. The works of the Lord are magnificent. They are treasured by all who desire them. God's deeds are majestic and glorious. God's righteousness stands forever. God is famous for his wondrous works. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. God gives food to those who honor him. God remembers his covenant forever. God proclaimed his powerful deeds to his people and gave them what had belonged to other nations. God's handiwork is honesty and justice. All God's rules are trustworthy. They are established always and forever. They are fulfilled with truth and right doing. God sent redemption for his people. God commanded that his covenant last forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. Fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. Sure knowledge is for all who keep God's laws. God's praise lasts forever. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading is from Luke 17, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell, at, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Were ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. God of the borderlands, you travel between the foreign and the familiar. Open our world to those we would exclude and despise. Heal and liberate us when we are outcast, that we might learn to praise your name with hearts that are whole. Through Jesus Christ, the rejected one. Amen. I've always had a heart for outcasts. I think it's in my own small way. I have tasted what it means to be one. 
And I'm guessing you have too. If you think about your life, surely there was some point at which you were left out of the inner circle. And, and while that experience of exclusion hurts, there's also a gift within it. A gift that if we're able to receive, it, it actually becomes something of a superpower. When you've been excluded, suddenly you learn how painful that is. And you learn something that you otherwise could not learn, which creates empathy. And you realize that all of us in one way or another have been wounded and all of us need mercy. And if you haven't had that experience or if you can't think of it, you're actually missing out. This is a necessary pain that we must all go through if we are to know the power of inclusion, which heals us. So may we be all blessed to know the pain of being outcast. In our passage today, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's on the border between Samaria and Galilee, which I don't think is incidental. It's often on the borderlands, those liminal spaces, marginal places where we encounter God. And so while Jesus is in this liminal space, He is approached by ten people with skin diseases. What their disease was, we don't know. We don't know. But we can assume that their illness likely kept them from normal human contact. And so to keep the community safe, the sick at this time were often left to bear their suffering alone. And over the past few years, many of us probably for the first time in our lives have experienced something of quarantine, right? a word that at least hadn't appeared in my life until the last few years. There's a reason that isolation is the worst punishment that humans have devised. And we are not meant to be alone. And thankfully, these ten people somehow found each other. Their illness connected them to one another. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. But still they wanted more out of their lives, and so they cry out to Jesus from a distance saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy. Have mercy. Mercy. I love that word. We all need mercy, don't we? No matter who you are or what your story is, everyone needs mercy. Though perhaps we don't always realize that. But these men, they know it. And they aren't ashamed to ask for it. The civil rights uh, lawyer Brian Stevenson writes in his magisterial book, Just Mercy, he says, There is a strength, a power even, in understanding brokenness. Because embracing our brokenness creates a need and desire for mercy and perhaps a corresponding need to show mercy. When you experience mercy, you learn things that are hard to learn otherwise. You see things you can't otherwise see. You hear things you can't otherwise hear. You begin to recognize the humanity that resides in each of us. These ten men, they understood their brokenness. In fact, it bonded them together and it created a desire for mercy. Now, we don't know how they found out about Jesus, but somehow they do. 
and they cry out for what they need. And normally when Jesus heals people in the Gospels, right, he brings them closer, often even touches them. But here he sends them away, which is interesting, right? He always keeps us guessing. You never quite have Jesus figured out. Always does things a little bit differently than we might expect. And so he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they left, they were cleansed. Why does he send them to the priests? That's odd, isn't it? Well, the book of Leviticus teaches that when someone has a skin disease at that time, they're to go to the priest and the priest was there to declare them clean. I'm glad I've got a somewhat diverse job description. I'm glad that ad hoc medical exams are not part of them. <laughs> so he says, go, go show yourselves to the priest. But they aren't clean yet, right? They're not, they haven't been healed. And then somehow along the way, they're cleansed. But the going, right, the the act of going on the way, that in and of itself is an act of faith. They were trusting in that which they had not yet seen. And then as they go, somehow, some way, they're healed. This abundant gift of grace. I wonder how often healing works that way in our lives. We walk by faith, trusting in what we do not yet see, and then somehow, some way, in that liminal in-between space, we realize, oh, I don't know how it happened, but it did. Somehow I forgave that person. Somehow I let go of that resentment towards my old boss who made my life miserable. I'm healed. I didn't even know it. Sometimes healing takes place in a moment without a clear before and after, and sometimes there's a very clear before and after. But whenever healing comes to us, it is always an act of God's grace. Psalm 103 says, Let my whole being bless the Lord and never forget God's good deeds. How God forgives all your sins, heals all your sicknesses. Our God is a healing God. And healing isn't just about cured bodies, is it? It's about inclusion in the community of God. It's about belonging to the human race. And in this account, ten are healed and only one returns. Only one bursts forth in praise for the healing he had received. Only one falls in gratitude at Jesus' feet and says, thank you, only one. And he was a Samaritan. Samaritans, you may recall, were considered heretics by the Israelites. Wrong race, wrong religion. An outcast among outcasts. And yet he is the one who responds to grace with gratitude. Theologian Karl Barth writes, Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice, an echo. Gratitude follows grace like thunder, lightning. That's the proper relationship between grace and gratitude. And yet so many of us, so often, we receive the lightning of grace and yet don't follow up with that thunder of gratitude. In this story, 90%... 100% receive grace, but only 10% respond with gratitude. And Jesus notices it's the outcast who gets it, right? 
Weren't the ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to say thank you except this foreigner? Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. See, Jesus takes special notice that this was a Samaritan. He doesn't overlook the difference. He highlights it. Celebrates it. And in our time, when it comes to issues of healing and inclusion, we often hear people say, why do you have to point out all the ways that we're different? Shouldn't we all just be recognized as people? Why do we need to focus on the exclusion of people of color or the queer community from our community, from our church? Doesn't pointing out our differences just divide us more? Any of you ever heard that? Any of you ever said it? Yeah. I bet you have. But this passage, and it's really a theme throughout the Scriptures, is that differences are both recognized and honored. Being a Samaritan mattered to Jesus. He doesn't overlook it, but instead highlights it, even celebrates it. And here at Covenant, we as a community need to decide, are we going to follow Jesus in this regard, or are we just going to do what our culture does? Will we celebrate our differences or pretend like they don't exist? If Jesus were to start a hashtag out of this encounter, He might say, Samaritan lives matter. I'm saying that, does that diminish somehow the lives of the Israelites? Wait a minute! Don't you know that the Israelite lives matter? Of course it doesn't diminish the Israelites. Any more than black lives matter diminishes the lives of white people. Differences aren't overcome in the kingdom of God. They're recognized, honored, celebrated, included. You've got to wonder, like, why is it, though, that, that the Samaritan responds in gratitude? What is it about his being a Samaritan that allows him to connect the dots in a way that the other nine do not? Uh, could it be that there are spiritual advantages to being an outcast? I think there are. There are perks to being a wallflower. Being an outcast allows you to see things that the majority doesn't see. To understand what others miss, to show mercy where others may judge. That's what Brian Stevenson means when he says, when you experience mercy, you learn things that are hard to learn otherwise. You can see things you can't otherwise see. You hear things you can't otherwise hear. You begin to recognize the humanity that resides in each of us. That's what the community of the church did in my life. When I was experiencing life as an outcast in school, it was my church that embraced me and healed me. In fact, it was only upon experiencing the mercy of belonging at church that I felt a call to ministry. Ministry for me is grounded in the gratitude of being welcomed as an outcast. That's why welcome and inclusion matters so much to me. It's not incidental. It's not something we get to when we have time. It's what the whole church is about. 
So Jesus says to this Samaritan, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. That word heal in Greek, it's, it's sozo. It's often translated, more often translated, saved you. Same word as salvation. Your faith has saved you. See, God's healing grace, it's given to all ten in the story. But all don't recognize it. And God's grace is given indiscriminately to all creation, but we don't always recognize it, do we? It's only when we see the gift that we've been given that we recognize the mercy of inclusion. And that's what saves us. We're saved from ingratitude and insecurity. We're saved from prejudice and hate. And when we see it, we begin to recognize the humanity that resides in each one of us. Recognizing our humanity doesn't overlook our differences, but instead honors, celebrates them. And we are saved to do the same. So what's left to say, but now thank we all our God. Amen.